0: Velma West at work and I forgot and he grabbed it off the printer for me (laughs) and he was just like she's cute and I was like she murdered her husband he went oh and I was like with a hammer
1: (laughs) Uh, that that feels right that feels (laughs) typical feels on brand Uh, very much on brand
0: much on brand like for
1: Christmas Eve and Britta's drinking. <laughs> so, uh, hi guys, and uh, thank you for joining us here at the Lake Erie Library. I am Beth. Dun, 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 dun. I'm a mean one. I'm Britta.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna get a suit. I keep singing things. <laughs>
1: I I'm so worried. We're going to check our little Lake Erie Library email and which I guess if you guys really wanted to you could email us. It oh is on God. our podbean. Does anybody send email anymore for it, real reasons? I would just laugh if I had like this random like, "Hey, I just really enjoyed your podcast." This is like I would print it out and frame it. Did I ever tell you speaking of like things I want to print out and frame um I have saved on my phone a Google review for our library. <laughs> and I feel like I know
0: exactly which I'm one sure is. I'm sure you do. It's my favorite review. <laughs> um, it says
1: all librarians there have a good amount of thickness with three Cs.
0: Oh, that's a good one. I liked that. These people are lazy. They don't
1: <laughs> open till two.
0: And I was like, yeah, but we're in the building before that. That's also mm. changed.
1: But yeah, I have that one f- saved, and I think about it all the time because, as a as a mother, uh, something you find out is your body changes, and especially if you're a breastfeeding mom, uh, I found out that if you lose any fat on your body, it comes from uh, your your butt region.
0: <laughs> well, there's probably a lot of Cushion for the push in there.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, that's a
0: big muscle, but it's also where a lot of fat gets stored.
1: So my body has obviously changed. And, you know, I, I'm not saying I have, I, if I have a case of body dysmorphia, it is like a very mild case of just, I don't know what my body looks like, which is true. A lot of a lot of fluctuations have happened in the past two years where I'm just like, I still have the same clothes as I did 10 years ago. How does this t-shirt fit? What do you mean is ginormous now? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or
0: this- i don't have that problem <laughs> i have the opposite problem or
1: it's this dress is going to fit so different now right and i'm like oh it fits the same the same why does it fit the same i've lost so much weight and no. then i'm like mm, my okay. problem is the well time to get
0: out my seasonal sweaters oh time to put those all away cuz you can't fit any of them oh. over your linebacker shoulders in your porn star chest. <laughs> Jesus.
1: <laughs> so, anyways, I just think about that line that I want to frame because I I want to put it I want to put it in my like workout area and then do squats and that will make me feel better. Do you
0: want to start sitting on the goblin perch and you can squat the whole time?
1: <laughs> I don't I don't know. It doesn't look comfortable. We can
0: discuss. I think it would yeah. make me feel Real weird sitting on the other side of yeah, this couch.
1: Yeah, that's true. You you form a habit. And I have you, claimed the goblin perch. You form a habit, and I think 21 times you've done this. And I don't know if we've recorded 21. I, I don't think we have, but we have recorded over the course of months. So it's the same thing, I think. I like You're doing the math right now. Of how it's many been like
0: three months mm-hmm. at least, if not more, that we've been sitting here recording. Yeah,
1: so definitely
0: it's been like four months
1: habitual yeah i think i'd feel weird too like i know eventually we're gonna change the setup for what we got again and then we're gonna be like what
0: i'm still gonna end up like perching like you're gonna try to make me sit in a folding chair and i'm gonna go i hate this and i'm gonna come and like perch on the edge of your shoulder (laughs) like a little grotesque or like a a gargoyle but gargoyles spit water so i don't think you want me to be a gargoyle that's no. a fun that's your fun fact for this christmas eve episode actually this is the week before no this is christmas eve for your christmas eve episode gargoyles are meant to disperse water from buildings so they all have little holes so that the water pools on top and spits out of them if it doesn't spit water it's a grotesque which is what Ooh. i call myself every morning when i look in the mirror oh
1: Happy Holidays, everyone!
0: Happy Holidays, everyone! What do you
1: mean I can't take off my sweater? It's hot! (laughs) So, again, welcome to the Lake Erie Library. Today, we are going to talk about spooky holiday books. That's right! I don't know why I sing it, but that's what we're talking about. I'm into it. Let's sing everything. Slightly different format than um, some of the other stuff that we've done for... This is like book club light. It, I would call this, for all you Instagram girlies, a book talk, if you will, or for library people, because I don't think we're, we're if we went full book club mode in these, we would be here for five hours.
0: I was gonna read the entirety of the books, but <laughs> I thought this was an audio book recording session. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: And before I, so in digging into this, uh, before we begin on what we're going to talk about, can I just say I realized I don't read a lot of Christmas horror. I think by this time of year, I've like binged so much on like horror from like October, November, that by December, I'm like, man, I just got to get my Goodreads goal done. Like, give me some trashy romance novels, give me some Christmassy romance. Murder Light, maybe, but that's it. That's what I want to read. Like, I don't read a lot of Christmas horror books.
0: I think I read too many Christmas horror books because that is how I feel about Christmas. (laughs) Again, not, not gonna go off on my tangent about why I don't like it. I think my thing is like, I watch a lot of horror in October, but I don't necessarily read it in October. And then November feels very, um, like thriller mystery to me so i usually try to read that in november and then december i'm just like over everything so i'm like i cannot dear god do not make me watch a christmas movie let alone a hallmark channel Christmas movie, they're all the same movie. There's thousands of them and it's all the same thing and it's like the same cover. It's a girl in a red sweater and a guy in a green sweater and they're standing in the thing and they're like hugging and it's right in the middle. Just look them up. Look up the covers, All right, I'm not wrong (laughs) about this.
1: Uh, The only Hallmark movie I have ever tried to watch was one that Bruce Campbell was in and I watched it for maybe a half hour and was like, this is not good and i like bruce campbell and i am so sad right now and i was like he's good but he also it it's like the song one of these things are not like the other <laughs> <laughs> one of these things doesn't belong Did and you I, just like he's like putting up christmas lace
0: and you wait for him to like pull out a boomstick or yes something? yes okay. yes
1: and because he's a little sardonic in it and a little you know it It's just hard because as I said, I like him a lot as the character Ash, but I feel like I feel like I have not seen him not be that character in a very long time. Like I can't think of a movie where I'm like, Oh yeah, he was completely different in that.
0: What animated cartoon from like our childhood? I don't know, I can't pinpoint it. There was like a character called The Chin who was like a superhero. Do you remember those? Yeah.
1: Or, well was I'm thinking from? of the tick, but not the tick. Yeah. The
0: chin. That's I feel like that is like Bruce Campbell is
1: the chin. Was that from Fairly Odd Parents? Maybe. The Crimson Chin? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I realized that that's one point I wanted to make too. I realized that in looking at Christmas horror. Like There are some books that are obviously like straight up like, Santa is murdering people. I watch a lot of Christmas horror movies, which is why I think I also don't read Christmas horror books, because I'm already watching Christmas horror movies. Yeah,
0: which at this point, we've given you a rundown of some of those. So hopefully you watched at least one of them, or else what are we doing this for? What are we doing this for? I mean, what are we putting all this work in for if you're not going to at least attempt to watch one of the terrible movies we tell you about?
1: Or if you don't watch it like right then, if you've watched it at least once in the past and you listen and you go, yes, I agree, and do the little the Gen Z uh, little wrist pump that they do. Where, like, what I you're see doing you're-
0: right now is how you say yes in American
1: Sign Language. Oh, well, that's what I've seen Gen Z do.
0: I see them do that like, fake scream thing that they do which is also how you sign like awesome and everything is sign language in my brain I'm sorry
1: <laughs> I, I'm i just the our student worker uh, did that mm-hmm. to me and said I see you and I was okay. like I feel very recognized right they now they do
0: fist pump a lot they yes. get very excited it's very endearing I'm just trying to give like a guilt trip because I know that Like, I'm Polish, so, you know, Christmas Eve is when my family does Christmas, but if it goes the way that Thanksgiving went this year, we're not doing anything, because my mom has decided she doesn't want to celebrate holidays anymore, which is, like, upsetting to me, because she's in her 70s, and I'm like, Mom, like, I'm not trying to be morbid, but you're not going to be around forever, so I would like to have, like, you know, good holiday memories from, from the end of while you're here with us. Rather than like, "Oh, we didn't do shit, and now she's not here, so that's where I'm at this holiday season, but um, I'm also probably getting super guilt tripped about something by my very Catholic mother on this um Catholic takeover of pagan holidays. <laughs> it's my it's, it's my straddling of cultures, it's my like little by disaster still in the broom closet, <laughs> surrounded by
1: Catholics. So we are we are getting all over the place in this
0: happy holidays anyway. <laughs> so this is for our time traveler, um, Buddy the Elf co-worker who for sure
1: doesn't listen to this podcast.
0: But uh, I, she's very excited about Yolo Boca Flood. Do you know about Yolo Boca I Flood? I do
1: know about Yolo Boca Flood because I've done multiple programs on at right. the library so like i'm well versed in some of this icelandic and danish and scandinavian culture
0: yeah so i it for everybody who's like what is happening is britta having a stroke right now what is that word she just said it's a tradition in iceland that started during world war ii when paper was one of the few commodities that they didn't ration so Icelanders shared their love of books as gifts and this turned into like a national cultural celebration where every year they send out like mid-November everyone in the country gets like a book bulletin sent to their house it's during the Reykjavik book fair and they use this catalog to order books to give to their friends and family for christmas like
1: so like scholastic but it's like a
0: nationwide scholastic book fair i love it and you open these presents on december 24th and then everybody reads the books that they got like right away so you spend christmas eve reading your new book while drinking like hot chocolate or Yola Blonde—I don't know if I said that right. It's like an, a non-alcoholic Christmas ale, but it's like a very festive bookworm
1: celebration. Mm-hmm. So, which you know that makes sense because where they are in the world, it's so dark there, so early. They're probably
0: seeing northern lights. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's a little late in the season for that. I think that's usually around like the time that we're recording it, so like October, November, but. It just seems very cozy there. And, you know, our our time traveler buddy the elf co-worker is also super into like the elves mm-hmm. of that area, which I just like from the Will Ferrell Euro- Eurovision movie where they're like murder elves, like they throw <laughs> knives at people, and I'm I get down with that. So maybe, you know, maybe you are like me and your family opens your presents on Christmas Eve and then you don't do anything on Christmas. Or, you know, maybe you're gearing up for that. Or maybe you're like, man, I got so many Barnes & Noble or local bookstore gift certificates. Mm-hmm. And I got to pick something to spend this hot plastic cash on. <laughs> and and we're going to give you some ideas. Yeah. Some are good. Some are not so good. <laughs> but
1: that's what we're here for. Yeah. So starting with our... You know, I was thinking about just Christmas and horror in general, and I was like, that feels like something that shouldn't go together, but it does invariably. And it and it's because like there's so many things that while I think there's like good, pure intentions, because it started in pagan traditions and inevitably those are kind of violent and in a way or darker in a way. Um I think we as humans in general kind of see that duality for things because like I'm just thinking about like what types of stories did I read as a kid? Were they any type of horror that- And I was like, you know what? The Nutcracker, like at the beginning, scared the bejesus not out of not me. Not even as a just kid. the
0: beginning. There's like a mutant rat king with yeah. multiple heads. Yeah. I was a dance kid. I've been in the nutcracker. Never any of the good characters. Always a horse. <laughs>
1: No. always I think, of course. Uh, I could do
0: it for you right now. I could still do it.
1: My, uh, <laughs> my, um, my, one of my good friends in uh, junior high and high school was also in the Nutcrackers. So I saw her perform multiple times. And even as like a high schooler, I was like, man, it's still pretty creepy. Like the rats coming into the house with like Clarabelle and like, coming in and like trying to mess up the like sneakily mess up the nutcracker they
0: like try to murder her nutcracker and then he comes to life right to defend her like it's pretty spooky and then the whole rest of it is just one giant fever dream yes it's like one kid super cracked out on christmas cookies and sugar who passes out at her family christmas party yep Gets a nutcracker for Christmas from her weird, eccentric godfather. Yep. And then has this, like, Wizard of Oz, really more akin to Return to Oz fever dream for the rest of the show.
1: Yes. And as I said, like, I thought about that and I was like, man, that that beautiful music. Thank you. To, Uh, To use the Gen Z
0: vernacular, the nutcracker slaps, but... It does slap,
1: but... It's still kind of dark. Like, it's a dark story. And um, I know the first story we're going to discuss also is dark. And it is not considered our Buddy the Elf co-worker. We have bonded over this story. And it's not considered a horror story. But it is a horror story.
0: Straight up the meaning of the season.
1: Yes. Ghosts.
0: Ghosts. Coming to billionaires. To torture them into becoming good people. I'm talking about you, Elon Musk <laughs> and Amazon guy. <laughs> P- Thank you.
1: I could picture him, Jeff but I was P- like, oh, what's his name? <laughs> he is the Rat King. Uh, and yeah, so we are discussing a Christmas Carol, and um, but I still think
0: that we should just record our own version of Christmas Carol. For them as a Christmas present,
1: we we could. It is technically free to distribute. It is a on project. I have Gutenberg. a
0: whole bottle of Frankenstein wine left. We can do this. <laughs>
1: So before I before we discuss it, I just want to read the preface of uh, A Christmas mm-hmm. Carol, which is, I have endeavored in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with me. May it haunt their houses pleasantly and no one wish to lay it. Their faithful friend and servant, Charles Dickens. So uh, for those of you who don't, know the story of a christmas carol which where you, have you
0: been <laughs> yeah
1: i'm sure you know it because there's again because it is free to share and use there are so many different versions of a christmas carol like as a kid my i think my first introduction to it was with mickey mouse and donald duck mm-hmm. and and scrooge mcduck
0: yeah i'm i'm sure I... <sighs> I don't know when that came out. I'm sure I saw that before, but I did go see The Muppet Christmas Carol yeah, in theaters. Which is my
1: favorite version of Same. The Christmas Carol. I mean,
0: the Muppets make everything better. Yes. But um, I also remember that my cousin, who is like, she's your age. She's like four years younger than me, was terrified during The Muppets Christmas oh, Carol. Oh, man. The... And I didn't get it. I was like, why is she crying? Uh, and my the... mom's like, she's, because she's scared. I'm like, but this is, it's puppets, mom. The
1: Ghost of Christmas Present? Even though it's supposed to be like a little girl, gl- glowy girl. I think she ghost. was more scared of Christmas Future. <laughs> Christmas Future is scary, and like I can definitely I've seen productions of a Christmas Carol. Uh, there's one theater company that does like a version of it every year, and they don't change the ghost of Christmas Future ever, so it's the same. It's scary. Like I was like, I'm in junior high. I'm. I'm 13 years old. I'm not scared. And I'm like, no, I'm a little, it's a little point. spooky. It's the only way to defeat capitalism,
0: Beth, is through fear. Yes.
1: We have to make them afraid. <laughs> so anyways, basic premise of A Christmas Carol is you have this terrible, mean, old miserly man named uh, Scrooge. Ebenezer. Ebenezer Scrooge, who is lovingly played by Michael Caine. And I, I He's in the Muppet. In one. The Muppet. He's one. been
0: played by quite a few people. Yeah. Uh, there's like a really terrible CGI cartoon version where Jim Carrey plays. That him. one is
1: also terrifying.
0: That's like, but that's for totally different reasons. It's yes. Like non-story related. Um,
1: I think alabast, alabast, alabaster, a- Thank you. I was gonna say alabaster. <laughs> and wow, it's you're not, not even drinking. No. I'm like that's not his name. That's a. There was like Mineral? a
0: weird made-for-TV one where I think was it Ethan Hawke
1: played oh. him.
0: It was on like Stars or Showtime. Okay, so like a lot of people mm-hmm. have played him, a lot of renowned actors. So
1: it's about this man. He owns his own like little accounting firm. He is very well off. He treats his workers terribly, and essentially he goes home on the night of Christmas... Or it's like the 23rd into the 24th, is that I right? I think
0: it's on Christmas it's on. Eve. He goes
1: home on Christmas Eve because the workers ask for, my God, Christmas Day off, and he's like, oh, wow. And so... He's like, I gave you a pizza party, you ungrateful bastard. Why do you need the day off? <laughs> so he goes home, and he's essentially visited by... Uh, first, by his dead associate, which if you've never read A Christmas Carol, great opening line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts with Marley's ghost, stave one, Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. <laughs> what a great line. It, and- is,
0: it, it is good. It is good.
1: So, visited by Marley's ghost, and then he is, and Marley is just there like, hey, You're, like, a really big piece of crap. Like, you are so selfish. Like, you're so miserly. You're so stingy with your money. Like, you have more money than you know what to do with. You're going to die alone. Before you die alone, I'm going to...
0: It's like all of my intrusive thoughts, but it's like if Beth died and came and said them to me. (laughs) You're ugly and no one likes you and everyone hates you and nobody is really friends with you and they all make fun of you. Also, you're overweight, and you're oh gonna lose God. all your money. I, I would never do that. Um,
1: <laughs> so, anyways, I, I just snort. They so then they did. So Marley essentially tells him like, "Hey, you're gonna be visited by three spirits," and Scrooge is like, "Okay, whatever." And then he is visited by three spirits. He's visited by the ghost of the past, the ghost of fu- the present, and the ghost of the future. So. He goes through, and they kind of examine his life and his choices.
0: And you get a sense of why he's so miserable. Like, he does have reason to be. I mean, it's it's kind of of his own doing, but it's very, like... I was young and dumb and didn't realize the consequences of not valuing things that are important to me. Right. Which, my God, I mean, I really agree. The Muppet Christmas Carol is, like, the best version of this. Because the song that like they cut from it was in the theatrical version and then they cut it from like the video release that the when love oh god i can't remember it's so sad it's like the saddest song ever it's just very much like end of the year regrets and (laughs) broken hearts at christmas time but yeah yeah the whole point is uh scrooge has got to realize that
1: He can't keep he can't keep being the way he is. He's got to reevaluate his life. He does have some family, and then of course, uh, his uh, one most loyal employee, Bob Cratchit, who's played by Kermit, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, has a family, and his youngest
0: Tim, who did not die.
1: Yes, his youngest son is Tiny Tim, who is very sickly. So he realizes, like, I need to be kinder to my workers. I need to give them more money. And, yeah, like, the scariest part in this book is definitely the ghost of Christmas Future. Like, he is truly visited by three spirits. And I I would say the spookiest part in these books is not... Well, first of all, if you see the Muppet version, the ghost of Christmas Future, past is i think is kind of
0: it's like a little girl she's like kind weird... of ethereal yeah um i i get it she's not super scary to me but i get it
1: but i love ghost of christmas present because he's just a giant muppet come
0: in and know me better man uh, there's so many just random lines in this that are really great too i scrooged is also a great adaptation of this yes. with bill murray i really like that one and that ghost of like future is also terrifying with all the little critters inside of him.
1: So we <clears> keep <throat> talking about the movie versions, but read the book. The book is the book is good. It's, it's
0: short. It's too. very short. It's a fast read. And I, you know, I don't love Dickens. Like we we joke about our like our wealthy benefactor because of um Great Expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think some people have a hard time getting into him, probably because you read him in high school. And by that, I mean, you read the Notes. because who's going to read Charles Dickens when you can be a teenager? But it is a fast read. I actually got my copy of this because I own a hard copy of this book. I got it at Hale Farm and Village. Oh, that was my souvenir that I bought. (laughs) Like when we went to if you're unfamiliar with it, Hale Farm and Village is a like historic tourist area where you go back to, like, pre-colonial times. They have, like, where you can go and make hand-dipped beeswax candles. And for some reason, they sell copies of A Christmas <laughs> Carol in their gift shop. And that was what I chose at, like, age 11 to buy. I also, it's, it, it's on brand for me. I also bought, like, a copy of Romeo and Juliet when I went to, like, Ashland University for an orchestra the Ashland Springstring Wing Dang um, <laughs> in their bookstore. So I just was like a, a ahead of my time as a child buying
1: these books as souvenirs. Which is funny because I'm pretty sure I, I'm i not pretty. I'm like 90% certain I got both my version of A Christmas Carol and Romeo and Juliet through like the Scholastic Book like magazine yeah. and like ordered them and because I was like, oh, that's a cheap paperback. Yeah, having to read it for school. But I would definitely say, yeah, Christmas Carol is really short. If you're like, I don't feel like reading it, do yourself a favor mm. and listen to Neil Gaiman. Oh
0: my God.
1: Uh, what a read voice. Read it.
0: What a voice. Like, I... I, I often describe Adam Duritz from Counting Crow's voice as being like the human embodiment of like what ch- hot chocolate feels mm-hmm, like going down your throat, mm-hmm. but the same can be said for Neil Gaiman's voice. Yes.
1: I, if I would listen to him read like car manual instructions, I'd be like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm, very good. So
0: soothing. Wish I could set my like Google Maps
1: GPS voice to Neil Gaiman. So sorry. You made a wrong turn. <sighs> Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Um, so anyways, yeah, do yourself a favor. Like there is he actually's coming to New York. Uh well by the time this has aired, he's already been to New York and he did a live event, and I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I actually told our co-worker about this and I was like, Aren't you so excited? And I'm like, you know, I don't know why I'm getting excited. I'm not I can't just weave work. I have a bunch of library programs I have to do. Also, I can't buy like a plane ticket and hotel. Like, I don't have money like that right now. Like, what am I thinking? And I'm like, what's my tater tot gonna do while I sit and listen to Neil Gaiman read A Christmas Carol live for like three hours? Sleep. Home, home Alone, too. Like, what? Be that's...
0: lulled into a delicious sleep where he dreams about <laughs> ghosts and his very short life.
1: So, that's yeah listen to that you can find it online it's a there's a free audiobook version that the library the new york public library sponsored so well worth a listen and then you can check it off your goodreads list and you it are counts it counts so that is the start our weirdly hectic start into this
0: feels right <laughs> feels on brand there like there's one stupid quote from a christmas carol that like i love so much yeah let's hear it's, it you know like you have like a a weird scary experience around like bedtime like you have a nightmare or something and mm-hmm. you wake up and you try to like rationalize it and it, well yes because that's <gasps>
1: probably besides the ghost that's probably the spookiest part is when the ghosts depart and when Scrooge is, like, by himself... He's by himself in his room. It's completely pitch black, and he's... It's the old 1800s where they have the four-poster bed, and they have the drapes around the bed where... I just
0: always think of, like, kings dying in those beds.
1: Yes, and, you know, I get it for, like, warmth purposes because, like, their houses weren't very warm, but I'm also, like, what a good way to set yourself up for, like, the scariest psychologically terrible moments ever your whole
0: bed is hiding under the covers yes yeah and he uh he's basically like talking to the ghosts after they've left like i think it's after marley first appears or if it's michael K and the muppets marley and marley marley and so- marley oh my
1: god
0: <laughs> anyway he says you may be a bit of undigested beef A blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of underdone potato. There's more gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. (laughs) More gravy than grave about you, like, is in my brain forever.
1: So, yeah, it's a good, as I said, it's a good way to kick off Christmas season. It is Christmas horror in its kind of purest form with a happy ending.
0: And Tiny Tim, who did not die... Yes, he didn't, guys. He didn't.
1: <laughs> spoiler alert! If you haven't read this,
0: it's not a spoiler. Just latch on to it because it's very <laughs> sad when you think he dies.
1: <laughs> it's really, really sad. That's true. All right. So moving on from there, do uh, you want to go first? You want me? I go can. First? Okay.
0: So um, I'm going to kind of crank out like three, sort of together. They are YA books from the 90s from our our lord and savior rl stein who is an ohioan he's from columbus and um bob used to crank out these fear street books in the 90s and three of his super chillers which if you are familiar with like i wore this on purpose i wore my like fake babysitter's Mm. club shirt because they used to do the same thing they used to do like the super
1: yeah the super
0: ones that were like instead of 150 pages they were the length of a normal book
1: they were like 300 i think sweet valley high did that too yes. and they had that really the, that one really terrifying cover where it was like a haunted house and you opened it up and it was like a girl with hair that was on fire and i i remember as a child having no context to it being like
0: you're why like, it's Firestarter? fire starter? Why is this so scary? So he, um, three of his super chillers are Silent Night one, two, and three, and I got this delicious uh, collector's edition from Amazing. the library. Where the front is a very creepy Santa Claus, and it's sort of see through. And then on the inside, you have our main <laughs> character Riva. Um, and then the back flap is also ooh, one oh, of the covers ooh. with some creepy mannequins. So, Silent Night 1, 2, and 3 all feature the main character of Reva Darby, Dalby, sorry, Riva Dalby, who is, for lack of a better description, the crustiest bitch you have ever read a YA book about. <laughs> if there was a burn book, she would be the Regina George of it. So, she. <laughs> wow. She's terrible. So, um, Silent Night number one came out in 1991. It's the Fear Street Super Chiller number two. And the cover tagline is Happy Holidays! You're dead! So, the description, the synopsis is Don't open that present. If only Reva Dalby had listened to that warning. But beautiful, cold Reva won't listen to anyone. Reva thinks she can have whatever and whoever she wants. After all, her daddy owns Dalby department stores. Now, someone has some surprises in store for her. Robbery, terror, even murder. Someone wants to treat Riva to a holiday she'll never forget. Holiday cheer quickly turns to holiday chills for Riva. Someone is stalking her. Someone is trying to get her. Her money can't help her. No one can. After all, who can you turn to when murder comes gift-wrapped?
1: That's a good that person extra bucks right
0: (laughs) so basically she is like in her senior year of high school in the first one she sucks so hard she's so mean to everyone to the point where she works at like her dad's department store like we're talking like macy's in the 90s where it's like maybe not attached to them all it's by itself right But there's multiple floors. He has them all across the country. They have a ton of money. They've got, like, a house with a Doberman, Pinscher, guard dog. Um, It's her, her six-year-old little brother Michael, and her dad. Her mom passed away. So that's your, like, backstory of why she's such a bitch. It's because, like, her mom's dead and she's afraid of, like... Uh, examining those emotions so very loose justification for how she (laughs) treats people but she uh she quote unquote works a like perfume counter okay she doesn't ever work the whole book is just her being like and then this woman came up to me oh why don't you get a nose job what's that i said do you want to try this new eau de blob perfume like it's so terrible like she's just mean She's constantly stealing people's boyfriends like her cousin Pam is a a character in all three books. Pam is her her family is related through Reva's mom. So she's not from the money side of the family. Pam's like pretty poor Mm -hmm. and runs with sort of a rough crowd in the first book. And she's really terrible to Pam. Like, she keeps trying to steal everyone's boyfriends just for fun. And then when she gets them, like, she doesn't want them anymore. She breaks up with her boyfriend, who's, like... She keeps describing him as, like, this dumb meathead who's, like, really big. But I'm like, girl, if, like, bad things happen to you, why are you getting rid of the big guy who can protect you? Like, this seems like a bad choice. So somebody keeps messing with her like there's a description of her putting on lipstick at work and then all of a sudden realizing her lips are bleeding because someone put a needle in her lipstick what yeah this is 90s ya horror it was like a different brand of horror so things keep happening to her uh people keep getting like murdered it escalates like really quickly And there are some, like, very choice descriptions that are very 90s in these books. Like, the decor of the department store offices, which are upstairs, she's, like, she felt nearly normal as she stepped out onto the floor of the luxurious executive offices. The lights were all on, recessed into the dark fabric-covered walls lined with large (laughs) modern paintings. Fresh flowers stood in tall vases on the plush maroon carpet. Maroon carpet, Beth.
1: Maroon oh, carpet. The fabric on the walls this is a pretty
0: <gasps> Riva passed the reception area with its leather couches and chairs and followed the hallway toward her father's office in the corner. So like very 90s mm-hmm. decor. And it's so the first one uh introduces us to these characters and there is murder at the department store. It might be Santa. It's up for discussion. Um, I don't want to spoil it in case you decide to read it. And then number two takes place a year later, which is, um, it came out in 1993. It's super chiller number five. The cover tagline is Jinger, Jingle Bells, Santa Kills. <laughs> Sure, she promised to be nicer after last year's horrors, but a rich, spoiled girl like Riva Dalby always thinks she can have anything or anything she wants and never, never pay. But now it's payback time. Someone is out to kidnap Riva. This year, Santa is bringing Reva a little holiday fear. And just around the corner is the biggest, most gruesome Christmas present of all, murder, and it's all hers. <laughs> but honestly, I'm just like... Yeah, seems seems justified. She's he, terrible. She deserves everything that <laughs> happens to her. Also, she's a redhead, and I resent that. Like, not all redheads are evil. I've got a soft spot for gingers of all genders. <laughs> We're not all bad. Book two features multiple kidnappings. <laughs> they all go horribly wrong. The one thing I don't love about book two is that it doesn't focus as much on, like, Reva and the main characters and has this weird side plot with these, like, teenage criminals that are, like, vaguely Bonnie and Clyde, natural-born killers-esque type people. And then there's (laughs) another character that's part of that group that just, like, has this random rage issue where he, like rage blackouts and wants to kill people and it's never really explained
1: oh. so saying, we're just we're taking some risks here yeah
0: there's also this running thing between the books where there's like a fake toy knife that's like retractable that keeps coming out in every single book like it's a paper cutter in one and a letter opener in another and then it's just a toy knife in the other one and I'm like I'm not gonna fall for it I fell for it <laughs> <laughs> like every time and then we have Silent Night number three, which came out in 1997, which is Super Chiller number 11. Cover tagline, tis the season to die.
1: Oh, I like that one.
0: And basically in this one, Reva wants to become famous and thinks like, okay, I'm going to cash in on my rich dad, but then realizes she has like a stalker. And so at this point, Riva has graduated from high school. She's gone to college and she brings home her very neurotic roommate, Grace, who has. There is like an abusive partner side story for Grace. Um, she comes home to stay with Reva for the holiday because her boyfriend is stalking her, her ex-boyfriend. Um, she tells Riva that he's beat her up before. And so Reva's like, well, you're. I mean, like we have so much security at my house now. Like I've been kidnapped. People have tried to murder <laughs> me. Like just come hang out. Beyond and our
1: Doberman, we now have a full fledged yeah, security now, force. Now we have three
0: Doberman and two security guards and an alarm system. And my little brother is obsessed with karate. <laughs> so So Grace comes home with her, um, but is like super, super paranoid. Like she essentially believes like her boyfriend, ex boyfriend Rory is like Michael Myers and like nothing will stop him. He's gonna come get her. So that's kind of annoying. It, it does have like multiple twists to the story and I am going to spoil one thing because it annoys me and it's that Reva does not die which is so disappointing because in most of the Fear Street books like the bitch dies. That was oh. like the one thing that R.L. Stein had going for him with Fear Street <laughs> is like you could count on some sort of cathartic release. She does survive but I think of the three, one is probably the strongest, but they're so batshit crazy and so, like, 90s nostalgic that if you can find, like, the collector's edition with all three, just crank them out. They're super short. They're, like, less than 200 pages each. And it's, like, if you can't be nostalgic about weird books at Christmas, when can you?
1: (laughs) I mean, I feel like you should be. So... On that note, different direction, but again, because I was like, I haven't really read anything. I was like, well, what can I find and listen to? So this came up on multiple lists. Um, It's by Christopher Moore, and it's called The Stupidest Angel, A Heartwarming Tale of Christmas Terror. I've read this one. Um, So somebody described it, and I I don't have better words for it, so I'm going to use it as... If Sam Raimi directed a Hallmark movie with murder, that this would be this book. So it's That's fair. It's horror light. Um, you know, the premise, the premise of the book. This was made in um 2004, uh, and it is part of a series. But I I'm reading it as a standalone, and I'm more or less following it. So I would say you guys can do that too. It is about, it's called Twas the Night, okay, more like the week before Christmas, and all through the tiny community of Pinegrown, California, people are busy buying, wrapping, packing, and generally getting into the holiday spirit, but not everybody is feeling the joy. Little Joshua Barker's in desperate need of a holiday miracle. No, he's not on his deathbed. No, his dog hasn't run away from home, but Josh is sure that he saw Santa take a shovel to the head, and now the seven-year-old only has one prayer, please, Santa, come back from the dead. But hold on, there's an angel waiting in the wings. Wings, get it? Uh, <laughs> it's none other than the archangel Razriel come to Earth seeking a small child with a wish that needs granting. Unfortunately, our angel's not sporting the brightest halo in the bunch. And before you can say Chris Kringle, he's botched his sacred mission and sends the residents of Pine Grove headlong into Christmas chaos, culminating in the most hilarious and horrifying holiday party the town has ever seen. Christopher Moore is one of those authors that I feel like I've read stuff by him before and I, I'm like having a weird fever dream of like, have I read this? Have I not read this?
0: I've read Lamb, which I think is so funny. It's essentially like the story of Jesus, but told by his best friend from childhood, Biff.
1: hmm so I, so I um started this, I'm... I would say I'm probably a fourth or a fifth of the way through it, and again, describing it as if if Sam Raimi, like directed a Hallmark Christmas horror movie, I'm like yes, because it even opens with like it opens with a very like very small town. Here's uh somebody ringing the door uh, the salvation army bell getting donations and she goes over to her like ex-husband this woman ringing this in the santa costume goes over to her ex-husband and starts ringing this bell frantically in his face and he throws a 10 pound bag of ice and like smacks her with it and like so it's like okay we're just gonna start with some light domestic abuse nope no oh, big deal! I
0: love the description of that scene though, where there's like um like a gym that overlooks that parking yes. lot. So like everybody's like on the treadmills, like watching. Watching. It, and they're
1: like, Ooh, and then they're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yes, and the uh sheriff of it is very kind of like, "I wish I still smoked pot." <laughs> like the constable, like nobody respects his authority, and it's again this this book has such good descriptions of it, and to me, uh, the The death of Santa happens so quickly that you're like, wait, wait, what just happened? Um, the horrifying part isn't the death of Santa. It's kind of, the, kind of terrible residents of the town. And they're all kind of like, they all just do some wild things. And you're just like, wow. So if you're looking for something a little more offbeat, a little more lighthearted, but still has horror elements of, you know, zombie santa and you know and you don't mind kind of the angelic perspective because it's humor um it's very christmassy it very much is describing you can picture this small town and during christmas so if that's up your alley i would say check out the (laughs) stupidest angel
0: which like with a title like that you feel like you have to give it a shot
1: yes i was like all right well We'll, we'll take a crack at it. So yes, that's that would be my first contribution. This is the one I'm only actively listening <laughs> to because I I don't have time to do that for other ones.
0: All right. So uh, the second one that I'm going to talk about is Snow by Ronald Malfi from 2010. The, the synopsis is, Todd Curry wants nothing more than to spend Christmas with his son, but when a brutal snowstorm cancels his flight from Chicago to Des Moines, Todd and a few other stranded passengers decide to run a jeep and make the trip on their own. During the drive, they pick up a man wandering through the snow who claims to be searching for his lost daughter. He's disoriented, and his story seems peculiar. Strangest of all are the mysterious slashes cut into the back of the man's coat, straight down to the flesh. When they arrive at the nearest town, it appears deserted, windows dark, cars abandoned, fires burning unattended. But Todd and the rest of the travelers soon learn the town is far from deserted and that they are being watched.
1: Well, this is spooky.
0: Yeah. So this is this is available in audiobook, because that's how I was listening to it to start when I was reading it. It so obviously like it is sort of a a tropey thing of, like, a guy trying to get home for Christmas.
1: I was going to say, sounds like the premise of planes, trains, and automobiles.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas. Um, he is, like, estranged from his wife and his son. You learn later in the book that he's had some, like, sort of, like, gambling issues that have prevented him from seeing his son in the past. So it's very important to Todd to get home to his kid and he meets these people in the airport they decide to rent a car this is like very creepy to me because i've been in this situation before like Mm -hmm. in college i was trying to get home for christmas and there was a huge storm so i flew from like philly to baltimore to chicago and then couldn't get to ohio because the storm was over ohio and i was like well maybe i can go to detroit and then like get a car and drive down and then like to go to Detroit I had to fly like further west to then come out so I like flew all the way to California Oh my and then gosh. by that point like it was so bad they're like there's no way like we can just get you to like Baltimore again so I went back to Chicago and then back to Baltimore and then with some strangers that I met who were on the same plane and were like hey like we heard you talking on the phone not to be super sus but like we're gonna rent a car and just drive to Philly and I was like, let me take your picture and send it to my roommates in case I die. And they're, like, totally reasonable. And so I texted it to my best friend, who was my roommate at the time. And I was like, I'm getting in a car with these guys. They say they live in Philly. If I go missing, <laughs> this is who did it. <laughs> and then we drove back to Philadelphia in the rental car. And I, like, threw them some, some, like, cash. And then the next day, I got on a different flight and flew to Ohio fine. I'm so that was s- the I'm day. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm
1: very distracted by I think it's my tater talk.
0: I think it's murder happening upstairs. Yeah. What's funny is like every time we think that you can hear something on here, they can't hear it.
1: It's just us. <laughs> it's just us. <clears throat>
0: We're having our like weird like Jack Nicholson moment right now. Um that's <laughs> definitely your tater time. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> so yeah, so um back to the book. They it's a very like um <laughs> then we just hear your husband go, "Stop <laughs> oh, God. I wanna believe that like your refrigerator is no longer in one
1: piece that he just like ripped the doors off i have I have no idea what is being. <laughs> thrown (laughs) or like hammering. He's Velma Westing. Yes. Oh no. Uh, (laughs) He got caught. He got caught. Taking him back. Yeah.
0: He got caught in Dallas.
1: No. We're both like crying (laughs) at (laughs) this point.
0: Oh god. Okay. So it has like. Let's let's talk about um, snow. Snow has like kind of walking dead vibes to it where it's like these people have like happened to become a traveling group they're not all gonna make it i'm not gonna tell you who dies but like it's a group that grows and then shrinks it is like a small town where everybody knows each other that they first end up in and really the description of the i'm gonna say creatures for lack of a better word That are sort of running amok in this town, is it's so good and it is so normal that it makes it terrifying. Like it is a thing that we have all seen at some point in our lives during the winter. So I, once we have a good snow here, it's definitely going to hit me different. Now deer, going outside, it's
1: killer deer. I don't know. I'm just guessing.
0: It's That's yeah, the Midwestern it, in me. It has some some pretty good um some pretty good kill scenes some very scary tense moments um it has a little bit of that like survivor horror because you know like the walking dead like yeah it's about zombies but it's really more about like the survivors and them trying to live very much so and like really the other people become the most terrifying part of it
1: right right it's never i mean yeah the zombies are scary on the walking dead because they especially like in later seasons they just become giant conglomerate like of them but same
0: same kind of general vibe um it's i will say it kind of it kind of fell off for me in like the second half of the book but that's not to say that it's like bad i think i think the first two thirds of it are really strong i think it's good wintertime horror and then it does happen like over the christmas holiday because that's why todd is
1: trying to get home so sounds spooky might put it on my list Uh, I did want to do a quick aside this is brand new it just came out in October like late October Uh, but there is a short story compendium or anthology uh, called Christmas and Other Horrors edited by Ellen Ellen, Ellen edited by Ellen Datlow and it has work by Stephen Graham Jones, Amakatsu, Cassandra Ka, K H A W I think so, uh, Josh Mallerman, and Garth Nix, um, among others. These and there's
0: some really big have, name horror authors. Yes, yes. Josh Mallerman, most of you would know from Bird Box.
1: Yes. Uh, Stephen Graham Jones, of course, you guys know. Amakatsu has written several uh, spooky books. The first book that they wrote, The Hunger, I believe, is like a a version of... the Dahmer Party. I read that one. Um, So anyways, this just came out. The reviews on it are very... It's called A Sterling Collection. They're very... Reviews are pretty good on it. Um, If you're looking for short story horror, this is one that I would say, yeah, you should definitely check this out except for this one star Amazon review who said, terrible, am returning. Uh, not comparable to Stephen King or Edgar Allan Poe. I'm like, well, no, my dude. Well, they didn't
0: say it was written by them, Karen. Jesus.
1: <laughs> um, but other people have said that these are really good. They've enjoyed. Um, there's one that's uh, by the Cassandra Ka. She's a. It's about a folkloric... Uh, horror and she was a girl and she has really like well-written ones and then josh mallerman's is uh the lowly sauna which is about uh, a character visiting his Finnish girl girlfriend's parents and has been invited to the sauna with her dad the sauna experience turns suffocating and mystical i'm like great that sounds terrifying i'm pretty sure isn't there there's is there, is that, I know what you did last. Is someone dies in a sauna in a slasher movie, and I cannot remember. Maybe I'm thinking of Death Spa. I probably am thinking no, of Death Spa. I think we
0: talked about this before, and I just talked about this with not male co worker number two, but as yet to be nicknamed former male co worker. Someone does die in like a a tanning bed in right, something. I know she did, did last thought, summer. Well, I thought it was that, but I don't know that she actually dies in that. I think it's in something oh, else. Because hmm. he said it, and I was like, aha, yes, that's what it is, but I okay. don't remember what it was.
1: Well, they can listen to it and respond to us and go, God, Beth and Britta. Um, they also said, Christopher Golden is also in this and The Importance of a Tidy Home is his contribution and it's based on Germanic folklore about spirits who visit homes during the new year and reward tidy homes. In this version, our main character is homeless and is able to see these spirits enter inspect homes. However, if the home isn't up to par, the spirits resort to gruesome punishments. So, a lot of good like premise and different than just like Santa's a serial killer type of slasher horror. It was final destination three. Ah, ah, okay.
0: Two of them die in the tanning beds in that.
1: Okay. So Mm -hmm. yeah, eight, there's 18 original horror stories in here. Again, I feel like these really kind of stretch the ideas of what Christmas horror is usually thought to be. So if you're looking for a new book, um, you can check it out at your local library, you can order it off of an indie book site, I guess, if you really want it, you can order it off Amazon, but by God, you better not return it there because these poor authors Boo. are making no money. So, Learn from shame. the first
0: book we talked about. Don't give Scrooge more money. Yes, He hasn't had his ghost moment yet.
1: That's, I think that's true. <laughs> if he has, he's just like,
0: don't care, I'm still gonna build on the yes, moon He was like, mm, I just had indigestion, now I'm only gonna eat Soylent Green. <laughs> Bye, <laughs> and then launches himself into space.
1: Uh, so yes, that's that's why I, I, on my to read list because I am very intrigued by that. I just, I probably won't get to it until January. I
0: don't love short stories. Anymore. I used to love them, like, especially when I was in college, because I took the subway a lot and it was like nice to just kind of crank out a whole short story on my commute. Now I have a hard time getting into them, but I am intrigued.
1: I am intrigued as well. Well, we'll have to reconvene in a. I'll give us like three months. Next Christmas. We'll discuss if we've read
0: it. Yep. (laughs) And we'll both go, nope, didn't have time. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, my next one is Nosferatu or Nosferatu, depending on how you want to pronounce it, by Joe Hill, who, because I call his father Uncle Steve, I feel like I should call him Cousin Joe. That's fair. Um, He is Stephen King's son, Mm -hmm. Joseph Hillstrom King. He wrote under a pseudonym because he didn't want to ride his dad's coattails, which I respect.
1: I Also, if you guys like the dynamic of them being father-son... Uh, Midnight Pals, who is on... uh, They were on Twitter. I think they have expanded to other social media since Twitter's kind of imploding. It is a
0: public toilet.
1: And they are also... They just started a podcast, and the whole premise is like that they have these different horror authors coming together, kind of like the Midnight Society... Or, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Telling spooky stories. And Steve is so well-written as, like, a... It's, like, micro-fiction. And he's well-written. But he's always, like, And my son! my, pr- I'm so proud of my son, Joe. Joe is so great. And Joe's, like, Ah, Dad. Like, and just kind of, like, You're too old type of thing. Like, Steve, you're doing too much.
0: I just... Have they ever done one where like Owen's there? Yeah, and he just Owen's ignores like, him? "Hey,
1: Dad," and then he's like, "But my son, Joe." That's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad.
0: It's like very much reminds me of that. Was it like Brother Bear, where it's like sometimes I can still hear his voice. He's yeah. like, "I'm right here." Yes. <laughs> Poor Owen. Poor Owen.
1: But yeah,
0: so Joe Hill. Um, I I love Joe Hill. I don't know if you read any of him. He,
1: I have. I read, um, the one with the horns. Okay. horns yeah <laughs> right horns
0: so he i mean you obviously people are are want to compare him to his dad and there are like some similarities but he's very much like his own author he's got his own voice yeah
1: and sto- very different premises for stories
0: well this one has like some overlap i feel like but this came out in 2013 and um the the little blurb is Nosferatu is a spine-tingling novel of supernatural suspense from master of horror Joe Hill, the New York Times bestselling author of Heart-Shaped Box and Horns, as Beth just mentioned. (laughs) The Horns. (laughs) Um, So, Victoria McQueen has a secret gift for finding things. A misplaced bracelet, a missing photograph, answers to unanswerable questions. On her Raleigh Tough Burner bike, she makes her way to rickety covered bridge that, within moments, takes her wherever she needs to go, whether it's across Massachusetts or across the country. So we get like a a childhood version of Vic and then we get an adult version of her. But essentially she is like time traveling, multiversing through time and space over this covered bridge. Then you also have Charles Talent Manx, who has a way with children He likes to take them for rides in his 1938 Rolls Royce Wraith with the Nosferatu Vanity Plate. With his old car, he can slip right out of the everyday world and onto the hidden roads that transport them to an astonishing and terrifying playground of amusements he calls Christmas Land. Then one day, Vic goes looking for trouble and finds Manx. That was a lifetime ago. Now Vic, the only kid to ever escape Manx's unmitigated evil, is all grown up and desperate to forget but Charlie Manx never stopped thinking about Victoria McQueen. He's on the road again, and he's picked up a new passenger, Vic's own son. So you have this serial killer, Manx, who is like one of the most unhinged serial killer villains I have ever read in a book. And he is terrifying, but he is equally hilarious. And that somehow makes it even creepier. He has this sort of, like, lackey named Bing who is perfect lackey form, but I will trigger warning you, um, he's very rapey in oh. a, a not-a-good way. Great. And he, there's, like, a whole thing with, um like, gingerbread-scented anesthesia that is used to j- drug people. And uh, Manx's, like, homestead is called Sleigh House, S-L-E-I-G-H. He says that he takes these children to the Christmas Land Amusement Park. There's, like, a very creepy plot point that deals with Christmas ornaments that becomes, like, very important in the latter half. It's like kind of vampire adjacent story, okay, and they did make an adaptation for TV I yeah, I
1: watched I think the first like two episodes, um, but I did like the idea of Zachary uh Quinto as mm-hmm. the bad guy.
0: yeah. uh my only qualm with this is that Vic's son's name is Bruce Wayne Carmody, and he goes by Wayne. It's like. All right, good for you, I guess. Um, I love Lou. That's Wayne's dad. He's like a biker. Um, I love him in the the adaptation for TV as well. This one is kind of a chunker. It's like seven hundred some pages, but I was like hooked through the whole thing. So, I, was, I
1: think I think Kate Mulgrew does the audiobook version she does. of it. Which, for those of you who aren't Trekkies, Kate Mulgrew is most famous for uh, starring in Star Trek: The Next Generation. No, no, I messed that up. She's, uh, um, she's also if you are newer to Kate Mulgrew, she's also in um, she's also in *Orange Is the New Black* as Red, who the like head chef Russian uh, inmate on that show.
0: I think it's Voyager, Star Voyager, Trek Voyager. Yes.
1: So she does, that's all I kept thinking while you were talking about it. I was like, wait, why am I, and I was like, that's not correct. So I was trying to look it up while yeah. you were.
0: Kate Mulgrew does do the
1: audiobook. book. So. so if you're looking for, I would say a good time with an audio book, listen to her. I don't know. Did you listen to it? Is I did.
0: It- I enjoy her as a, a narrator. Um, Janeway is not my favorite captain, but that's for a different time and place. I would upset some people with my Star Trek opinions. I am um, a Trekkie now. I wasn't in my childhood. I thought it was like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys where you could only like Star Trek or Star Wars. And I was a Star Wars girl. And then one year I decided I was going to watch all of Star Trek in in universe chronological order, which has swayed me to like people that other Trekkies hate. So... (laughs) That's that's that, <laughs> that's that.
1: So yeah, uh, something to think about. I Nosferatu is on my reading list, like eventually. When I, I think
0: I... you'll like it. I think you might have a little bit of a hard time with. Um, I feel like this is a trigger warning, also worth mentioning. Um, like Manx's a its children are his right. victims. So
1: I yes, I think I might have a hard time with that too. Uh, Joe Hill also writes. His horror is, it's different than his dad's, but it's the same, or it's very visceral, but like at the same time, it it's icky in a way where his dad's is not, where he like really gets to kind of like the mundane things that you wouldn't think about being gross, where you're like, oh God, that's making my stomach turn.
0: Yeah, I think it's also like very telling, like they have... They come from like a similar place in their horror, like they do have like some overlapping themes and things like that, but it's like very obviously different generations, mm-hmm. and I think that makes a difference as well
1: yes i would yes, I would agree to that. The next one I'm going to talk about is uh from a newer horror author uh this is from Brahm, and it's about Krampus, the Yule Lord. Um, so for those of you who don't know who Brahm is, Brahm is, as I said, a newer horror author, um, they said over the past few decades, but I would say they, they really haven't come to prominence except for the last maybe couple of years. Uh, their more popular book is called Slewfoot. It's a tale of bewitchery. It just came out, I think, either last year or maybe the year prior, but they have a book called Krampus. It is... Krampus. Krampus. It is also illustrated but anyways it it is about it's set in Appalachia Krampus the Yule Lord is a twisted fairy tale about a failed West Virginia songwriter who gets ensnared on Christmas Eve in an internal war between the not-so-saintly Saint Nick and his dark enemy Krampus aka Black Peter an ancient trickster demon Krampus the Yule Lord is Gregory Maguire meets Susanna Clark and the Realm of Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth, as well as Clive Barker, uh, works on his Dark Sorcery from the Shadows. Once again, featuring Brahms' chilling uh, beautiful artwork throughout, Krampus the Eulord* Lord is a feast of wonder straight from the kitchen of Sweeney Todd. Well, when you got all those name drops, I'm like, this, this either means it's really, really good and it's exactly what, like, yes, apt comparisons, or... You're doing too much and we're trying to make up for it. Again, have not had time to read that, but I was like, I I really do enjoy. So, you know, you guys have just listened to our uh, spooky horror movie set in Chris- Christmas. And of course we talked about Krampus. Um, I enj- That's one of my favorite Christmas horror movies. It's one that I rewatch every year. I get something slightly new out of it each year. But, I like the idea like that our kind of public consciousness is finally catching up to like Europe's because he's been around forever in Europe, uh but the American consciousness is like ah, uh, like we know who that is now, and I like the idea of you know in this book, he's a multi dimensional character, as is. Uh, Santa Claus and I like the idea of you know like Saint Nick isn't so saintly and maybe Krampus is inter like has got some some layers as Shrek likes to say (laughs) like onion layers to him yeah I just think about those things because like I like the idea of him not being like a completely mean man maybe there is more altruism to him he's just got he's got a system and he has to play by his system just same with like santa
0: yeah i i read this book (laughs) um i enjoyed it it is like a if you get this like illustrated version of it it is like um coffee table book size so it is an awkward sized book to read but i enjoyed it and um growing up like i mentioned earlier like i'm very polish but we we grew up with like a very um Eastern European Slovakian type upbringing, and it's like we celebrated like Saint Nicholas Day and like putting your shoes under your bed, and then he leaves you like something in your shoes, and that comes before Christmas. And like we did the advent calendars, and like Krampus is like very much an alternative to Saint Nicholas, where it's like if you're good, Saint Nicholas brings you chocolate and leaves it in your shoes, and if you're bad, Krampus like puts you in a bag and takes you to Spain and like beats you. So, um (laughs) Yeah. So I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I think it's worth a read. Just like if you are finicky about your physical media, just know that you're not going to comfortably be able to hold this book while you're reading it.
1: Um, I also wanted to put like a quick shout out. So another YA book, but it's not a horror book by any means. It's called uh, my true love gave to me and it's got 12 short stories uh, I actually had one year my library book club read this, and it was it was not well taken uh, because they don't like young adult books.
0: Olive Beth's book club is like a
1: hundred years old. They're they're they skew older, yes. But uh, Holly Black is one of my favorite young adult authors, and she writes generally kind of darker young adult like fantasy and fairy tales, so everything it has fairy dark fairies in it, and we're not talking like Tinkerbell, like cutesy fairies. We're talking like Maleficent. Uh, you know, like dark feasts, like you might get trapped in the fairy underground and be a human slave forever. It's it's no big deal. It's fine. And she wrote a book, uh she wrote a short story in this collection called uh Krampuslaf, And it is, it, it, the very plot of it, it feels, out of all the stories, it feels the least Christmassy, but it is very much a Holly Black story, and it's like her take on Christmas and Krampus, and so basically the narrator and her friends, Penny and Wren, go to the local Krampus loft or Krampus festival so Penny can see the guy she's dating, roth roth is one of the cool wealthy kids who has a real girlfriend who isn't penny and everyone but penny seems to know it when roth arrives at the festival with his real girlfriend in tow ren decides she's going to protect penny by inviting roth and his girlfriend to a christmas party that our narrator will throw all the while our narrator is preoccupied with a very handsome boy in a very realistic Krampus costume fast forward to the night of the party which our narrator works incredibly hard on and you know, is emotionally invested in and Roth and his girlfriend show up and they're drunk and a fight breaks out and everything is really awful. So it's already kind of like not horror as in like, ah, vampire horror, but like traumatic young adult, like, Oh, I thought I was dating you. And now this is ending in heartbreak horror. Uh, anyways, Krampus, who is the love of, uh, you know, other love interest shows up and, creates vengeance on the boy and so i'm just saying this is a very good like short story if you're looking for like not so cutesy but like with romantic undertones because i'm all about that too i'm like wait
0: i mean campus does have a very long tongue so <laughs>
1: <laughs> so <laughs> um i get uh, it <laughs> all all i'm saying is uh holly black you know, if you ever hear this one day into the future and you're looking to write anything else that's holiday, please just write me a Krampus story. I would read that.
0: Do you think, like, if I went right now on, like, Archive of Our Own that I could find, like, Krampus smut?
1: Oh, I'm 100% I'm sure that you could. I'm for
0: sure going to go home and look this up. I don't want Peter to be there, though. That just makes me think of Dwight Schrute. <laughs> I, I am yeah a
1: hundred percent certain you can find it though i'm hoping it's like original like
0: i just need you to know this is 100 percent stemming from the fact that i've accidentally stumbled upon thank you tumblr um recently venom smut <laughs> like venom from spider-man, Spider-Man. Oh, um and i'm like really into it so <laughs>
1: Wait, do they base it off of like the comic or of like the tom hardy movies in both
0: there's a wealth of
1: both i'm i'm sure there's a sometimes wealth of eddie's
0: there sometimes he's not <laughs> <laughs> anyway oh, i have one more okay and that is uh weirdly enough because i just mentioned dwight shrewd it is secret santa which came out in 2020 by andrew schaefer I had read Andrew Schaefer books before I read this the first time because he has a series of mysteries, like mystery thrillers that star Barack Obama and Joe Biden. (laughs) Um, They're exactly what you think they are. They're so dumb and silly and fun. And it's like bus bros, five ever solving international crimes. So he wrote Secret Santa, which a lot of people have described as like The Office meets Stephen oh, King. Yes, this
1: I was looking this up. This was on multiple like I rounds. love it.
0: I think you would actually like it. It's it's a very like eighties horror book. Love it. It is set during the horror publishing boom of the nineteen eighties, and it he's like writing what he knows, and that it takes place in like a publishing house. So, um, the main character is Lucy Meyer. She's basically, like, she got laid off when her employer, her publishing house, got, like, absorbed by Harper. And they, like, laid off a bunch of people and they kept all their own employees. And so, she's been, like, hoofing it in New York City in the 80s. She's in her mid-20s. She's trying to find a new job. And, like, she just, on a whim, applies for an open position at... Blackwood Patterson, which is a publishing house, but they're like an old school publishing house. Like, they publish like the Hemingways and the Faulkner's and like literary, and she describes it as like men who masturbate and cry, like <laughs> stories. <laughs> and so, the crying going, yeah. And she's coming off of the like, I just, I like shit out best selling horror authors. This is like not my wheelhouse at all. You weren't even on my radar, but I really need a job. So she goes in for an interview. A bizarre set of circumstances leads to her getting hired there under the condition that she must find the next horror superstar to compete with Stephen King, Anne Rice, and Peter Straub by Christmas. So she gets hired at like the beginning of December. Oh, that's so easy. Yeah. So it's not that she has to publish their book by then, but she has to get them under contract. And it is, like, the 80s where, like, horror is hot, hot, hot. Right. So she gets there, but it is, like, a very quirky, old-school publishing house. Like, everyone there is very strange and neurotic. It has, like, the vibes. Like, yes, it is kind of an office comedy, but it has the vibes of, like, it reminds me of, like, The Witches, Roald Doll like movie or like Death Becomes Her. Like it's very comedy centric, but like horror light. And as soon as she starts working there, she is kind of like the target of like hazing. And they have a secret Santa gift exchange. And so she got hired after everybody picked their secret. Santa. But there is a gift under the tree for her. And what it is, is they, like, all open their gifts at the Christmas party, and everyone has to guess who gave them their gift. And so it comes to her. She's the last one. She opens it, and inside is this little figurine that is very Krampus-looking. It's a a perched, and she recognizes it because her grandma had one when she was a kid. And it's this sort of, like, horned, big-toothed, fur-covered little, like, demon-type figurine. And she knows that it belonged to the head of the publishing house because she saw it in his office, but she has no idea who gave it to her. And after she gets it, um, her coworkers, one by one, start falling victim to a series of horrific accidents akin to, as they put it, a George Romero movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucy suspects that her gift is involved. And with the help of her former author, who's named Fabian Nightingale, and he's like this British horror author, Um, and there's like a, a scene where they drink a bunch of absinthe and like go nuts in New York City, which cracks me up. They're like riding plastic reindeer down the street racing them. She and Fabian have to track down her anonymous secret Santa and figure out the true meaning of the cursed object in her possession before it destroys the company and her soul.
1: Wow. I, uh, yeah, that does sound like something. I, it's very campy,
0: Beth. And I, there's like a ton of 80s pop culture references. Can I just
1: say, I, so like, I don't think we've ever discussed this, but I, I truly do like like work related horror movies. Like, it's a, it's a niche uh, that I didn't think that I would like. When the movie Office Christmas Party came out, I was like, I need to go see this. And I'm like, why like Beth, why do you need to And I'm like, I don't know. I just need to go see it. And if it's on like TV or if it's if it's on, I'll just watch it. And I'm like, Beth, why? And I'm like, I think I like to glamorize the idea of like having a ginormous fun office Christmas party. And I'm like, Why? Why? Can you imagine like if we did that? Like
0: It would just be me. I would just be drunk. Yeah. It would just be me. Everyone else would be like, all right, well, I'm going to leave.
1: Like, the akin to that is, like, well, one, like, we would never have it where we work. But two, like, we've had something kind of like that. And all of... I didn't go. All of us dipped (laughs) because we're like, we don't want to be around people we know that are higher up than us drinking. That doesn't sound like a good time. Yeah. I used to work at a local retail chain and we had we had two different types of holiday gatherings so we had like the store holiday gathering where they would like go to like giant eagle and buy us which was funny because we were like a we had groceries but we didn't have like the, they would buy us like food trays
0: you didn't have a sandwich platter there we did
1: not uh you maybe
0: had some craft singles yes
1: so uh they would buy us like and they would store expense like other stuff <laughs> and we would have like little christmas and holiday parties like during christmas but then um the department i worked in we would go and because we worked we worked with like the pharmacy as well and the pharmacists would take us like our small departments out to like eat at a restaurant and stuff like that so we did that several years in a row and I remember the one year we went to like Red Lobster and I was 16 working with like a bunch of adults and like everyone else is drinking and I'm just like sitting there eating my my salad with my assistant manager because like i got there later than everybody else so i didn't have a place to sit in like the big party table at red lobster so I, it felt like i was on a date with my assistant manager <laughs> and then he's like making fun of me for how i'm eating my salad because i i didn't eat salad dressing back then because i was like nah, it's fine i can eat the vegetables raw and now i'm like Beth, that's it that is a little weird That's why they make salad dressing.
0: I don't really like salad dressing.
1: So I'm just eating it with like a little bit of salt and pepper. And he's like, that is the strangest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, thank you.
0: I, um, the only like office Christmas parties I've ever been to were when I gave ghost tours in Philadelphia, our, um, the owner of our ghost tour company would have a like Christmas dinner in like south philly at an italian restaurant in like queen's village so like very like rocky balboa neighborhood Mm -hmm. um and you knew that it was good food because there had been mob hits there (laughs) and so we would go there and they would just buy us like this really good italian dinner with like the good like house wine Mm -hmm. and i would just drink too much of it And um, because it was Philly, like, I didn't have a car, so I would either, like, have to take the subway home or I would just, like, pathetically, like, look at one of the other tour guides and be like, help me, I'm poor, take me home. (laughs) And then when I was in, I was in, like, an improv group (laughs) for a really long time, like a decade, and we would have a Christmas party and we would do a white elephant gift exchange and it was less about like getting anything good and more about just like pissing off one of the other people in the group. So mm-hmm. I have a, I have a, um, like homemade soft pretzel maker and mini <laughs> pie maker machine that are like a waffle iron uh-huh. that I have literally never even opened that I stole from someone on the last round of White Elephant because, like, White Elephant, you all get a gift, you open it, and then there's, like, a chance to steal on the round, and then you end up with whatever you end up with. Right. And I knew that my friend, who was also in the group, really wanted both of those, and I stole them from him just so (laughs) he couldn't have them, and then I never (laughs) used them. So, you might actually listen to this if you do. Um, I'm still not sorry.
1: (laughs) I, I did forget. I don't know why I forgot. I did host my own christmas parties with all of my friends that worked at the said grocery uh small grocery chain and um we that i definitely made like sugar cookies for it and there was drinking and uh, all sorts of like i remember the one time i like I was having a very small Minty Bee because it was finals week at college and I literally procrastinated writing like a 20-page essay, stayed up all night writing said essay, also had to pack because I was moving dorms so I was supposed to be doing both of those things and I was not doing those things well and then my mom (laughs) came to pick me up uh, because I had to move all my stuff so I could um, and there was like a holiday time and then Oberlin takes like January off because we have winter term where you can do like a project. So I had to store all my stuff for like a month. But my mom's like, all right, who wants to go to like this local Italian restaurant? And I'm like, I've been up for 26 <laughs> hours. I just want to nap. And I'm like having a very small minty bee. And I was like, I have to. And uh, my sibling was like, Beth, uh, just if you eat some food like some actual food and not just drink coffee like you've been doing and you go home and you take a nap just put on your ugly Christmas sweater and it's gonna be okay like everything else is prepared and I that one in particular stands out to me because I don't remember the actual party because I think I was overtired and drunk Mm (laughs) good times so anyways i enjoy holiday office movies and i think i enjoy office horror movies because i'm i'm a capricorn baby like i'm all about that work life and i'm like yes that's where i'm gonna end up being when the zombie apocalypse happens is at work unfortunately um and on that really giant aside that we just both (laughs) did I also think we played the video game Left For Dead at some of our Christmas party. Definitely we had like a whole year where we just continuously played that game, which if you've never played that, it's a horror game. Uh, it's a first-person shooter. It's a lot of fun. Uh I'm I'm sad they never made any other Left For Dead games. But anyways, the last book I'm gonna end on is this it's a short chap book, so if you want to read this book, the only way to get it is by purchasing it from this author, which is good because then they get the money, and you know we're all about promoting small business around here and promoting authors and for for their work. And it's called Unmemory by uh, Christy Demeester. And it's an illustrated chapbook. And the premise of this is that it's really short. It's 9,000 word short story with 10 illustrations. The premise of it is a university student attempts to track down a briefly glimpsed Christmas film, which traumatized her as a child. So immediately upon reading this premise, I have not bought this yet because, again, apparently I don't read Christmas horror besides a Christmas carol upon reading this i'm like oh god i am sure there's at least five movies and premises of things where i'm like i remember watching that but i cannot remember what the title was and especially working at a library like both britta and i do i can't tell you that is like one of my biggest pet peeves of is trying to remember something i've read or watched and being like i don't like there's like a meme that goes around on the internet of, like, book displays of, I don't know what the title was, but the cover was blue. I'm like, listen, that's a real-life thing, and I'm mad that you guys are making fun of it a little bit.
0: It's true, but I also feel like I am um, I am one of those women that is, like, I am the CIA. Like, you can be like, mm, I'm trying to find this guy on social media that I used to work with, and I'm like, what's his name? And you're like, mm, I don't know... I think maybe it started with an M and I'm like, cool, give me 10 minutes. And then I get online and then I'm like, Oh, here it's Dave Brubaker from, he graduated from this high school in 2010 and you guys probably work together at this place. He just got divorced from his wife. He has three kids and he likes to drive a Camaro. Like that's me. Like I can do that. That's my (laughs) Liam Neeson special skill. (laughs) So just remember that if you've ever wronged me, I know everything about you.
1: So the illustrations aren't super spooky. I mean, they're uh, they're like a little spooky. They're spooky light. But it's something I'm interested in. And if you're looking for, again, supporting uh, artists and you're looking to, as a millennial, maybe you're a millennial, I don't know, maybe you're younger, maybe you're older, I don't know. But if you're somebody that's in kind of that general age bracket and you're like, I. I have nostalgia of watching this really obscure thing that you can't find anymore because the internet broke everything this would be the horror book for you so uh it came recommended amongst uh a few thing lists I was looking at generating on and I was like that might work and then I can tick it off my short stories of like yeah that goes towards goodreads too but I guess I'll get back to you and. In- in a three years, time. <laughs> in three years,
0: Beth will let you know if she enjoyed this book. Yes, the short story. It's
1: called Unmemory again by Christy Demester. and it could be yours for fifteen dollars through their chapbook site. Um, and then you know, I there's other books. There's other there's a lot of actually. If you're looking for short stories, there's a lot of different horror compendiums of short story Christmas horror. So instead of us running down through every single compendium because, as I said, there's a lot. You just Google it. Also, Victorians were really into ghost stories and Christmas ghost stories, so there's literally, like, a collection of four or five volumes of just Victorian Christmas ghost stories.
0: Yeah, and if you are, like, not 100% off of um, the Boy Wizard series from the UK, he lived... You know who I'm talking about. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, the first two of those have, like, a lot of Christmas content in them and the movies as well. So, I mean, like, if you just want a nostalgia read and you aren't just, like, totally grossed out by that, you could always revisit those.
1: I, I, We're both, unfortunately, we're both past that, I think. I don't...
0: I don't know I have a weird nostalgia for it but like I don't want to give that author any more of my money ever in my life Mm -hmm. so I just don't um, buy anything related to it anymore the end
1: (laughs) that's fair it sucks because there's a lot of cool stuff that has come out that I'm like man 12 year old Beth would be in seventh heaven right now but Uh,
0: seventh heaven also a touchy subject Yep. Don't know if you watched that show in your childhood, but
1: um, we don't stand dad from that anymore. (laughs) So yeah, if you guys are, again, looking for some spooky reads, uh, this was a nice, as I said, a little book talk for you, um, for you to enjoy with your, hopefully with your Yola Book of Blood, like your fountain of books that hopefully you got for Christmas. The Christmas book flood. Yes um hopefully like i said hopefully you got some good stuff to read if you know you're you're just here to support us and trashy romance is more your vibe i get it as i said i have no shame that's apparently what i read during christmas time mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um yeah so we are gonna take next week off so don't look for a new episode from us i'm sorry if that really hurts your feelings but hey everybody needs some time away that's right who to say <laughs> <laughs> anyway don't sue us so uh, we hope that you have a good holiday season if you are not having a great holiday season just know that you are not alone mm-hmm. uh, and you will get through it it's just a couple weeks and then you're in a whole new year so just That's right, hang on tight hide out watch uh, a british baking show or you know binge some old horror or whatever is your comfort watch or read and uh we will see you in
1: 2024 oh my gosh 2024 who would have thought it still feels like 2022 Not (laughs) not me i wouldn't have thought nope so yeah once again you can catch us not next week, but the week after next, and in the meantime you can look through our social media, or if you're kind of new, you can listen to some of our other episodes, because now we've now we got kind of a little a little backlog of episodes Um, and yeah, just interact with us if you want to shoot us some questions, you could oh my god, you could email us if you're really like, I'm cracking out uh, some old things to do.
0: Yeah, that's Lake eerie with two e's library at gmail.com
1: so yeah shoot us an email actually if we do get an email I will crack up okay if
0: we get an email I'm sorry we might not see it until February because we're not good at checking that email uh yeah
1: so yeah anyways uh catch us there uh we are available wherever podcasts are available and Again, if you are on social media, you could also message us through Facebook or on Instagram, which we do check those, I think, fairly frequently. Like, I would say mm-hmm. daily. Yeah. Um, we would catch that and see that.
0: Uh, so. Yeah. So, thanks for this little weird, like, quarter of a year journey we've been on. We're glad you're here. If you're new, thanks for joining us. Uh, and we'll... We'll see you next time.
1: Yeah, stay spooky, friends, and happy holidays.